This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon and welcome. It's World Stroke Day and strokes are the third leading cause of death in this country. For the survivors, and there are about three quarters of a million of them, the effects can be devastating. A full recovery is possible, but only if a patient acts quickly. So it's crucial for all of us to recognize the signs of stroke. And the acronym is FAST. Face, is it drooping? Arms, can you raise them? Speech, is it slurred or jumbled? Time, to call 911 right away. We're going to unpack all of this. Uh, I'd like to hear from you if you've had an experience with stroke or if you have questions. The numbers 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. And now let's bring in Dr. Mark Bailey, the Medical Director of Toronto Rehab and uh, Physiatrists-in-Chief at the University Health Network, Dr. Atif Zafar, Director of the Comprehensive Stroke Program at St. Michael's Hospital, and Evelyn Greenberg, a stroke survivor. Hello, and thanks for joining us. Good afternoon. Thanks for having us. Okay, let's start with Evelyn. And Evelyn, how are you doing? How long ago was your stroke, and um, how are things going? I'm one of the lucky ones, Libby. Two years ago, I was 81 and in good health, just uh, regular blood pressure and cholesterol medication. And I was walking towards my car in the garage, and as you said, fast, my face drooped. There was saliva dripping down my chin, and I wanted to say, oh, there's something wrong here. And it came out, and I thought to myself, thank God I had my cognition. I said, I'm having a stroke, and I picked up my phone and phone 911, and I said, having a stroke, and I gave my address, and they try to engage you in conversation, and I said, no talking, just come. And within an hour, I had been at the Civic campus of the Ottawa Hospital, and the team was there. So right you are, face, arm, speech, and the T for time. Don't call your boyfriend. Don't call your son. Don't call your best friend. Call 911 so that a team is waiting when you arrive. And within an hour, I had the CT scan and the TPA, the anti-stroking drug. And uh, I'm a pianist, Libby, and doctors. And I was concerned, will I be able to play the piano? Two days later, I was playing the piano, and I haven't stopped since. Well, uh, you sound perfect. Uh, let's bring in the doctors, uh, starting with Dr. Bailey. Hello, Dr. Bailey. Hi. So um, what are the risk factors for stroke? So uh, people are at risk if they have uh, high blood pressure is the key risk that people have. We also know that if they are uh, overweight and have diabetes, this is also a risk factor. People who don't don't exercise uh, enough 
are also at high risk. And uh, we know that it's also associated with heart disease. So people who have pre-existing heart disease uh, are the key people who are at risk of stroke. Are most people aware of that? I think what's scary is a lot of people don't realize that they're at risk because hypertension is kind of a quiet killer. Uh, Most people don't realize that dietary factors and other things like alcohol will elevate their blood pressure. And I, I think that's the biggest risk factor that we need people to be aware of. They do need to get their blood pressure checked. There's some great ways of getting that done right now with, uh, you know, ambulatory or uh, <clears throat> blood pressure cuffs you can buy to take home. And uh, there's also ones in drugstores. And we really feel that that's probably the number one risk factor that we want to tackle. But we also want people to know what their cholesterol is, know if they have diabetes, because it can be also uh, present. And so it's really important for people as they age to get these things checked out. Dr. Zoffer, uh you have to get to the hospital on time. Tell me what happens when you get to the hospital and, and what's the window, really? How much time do you have? Great question, Libby. So uh, so one thing is that every 30 minutes in our state in Ontario, we have one patient having a stroke. Um, only 14% of the patients, so one in 100, end up coming in a timely way. Now, what happens is that when... As Evelyn said, you know, 911 is called. Uh, the ambulance and the EMS staff is trying to get the patient. They also alert us, the hospital side, where we are getting ready. Uh, we ask about what the presenting symptom was so that we can decide and assess how much prepared do we need to be and, and, and we can figure out uh, the cause and the size of the stroke. They come in, they get some imaging within Four and a half hours, we can give them the clot-busting medication, TPA, that Evelyn said he received. And then if they can come in, uh, we, we offer treatment in patients who have a larger stroke to up to 24 hours after the onset. However, most of the patients, when they're coming in, need to know that every single minute when we're wasting it, we're losing 2 million neurons in our brain. So time is of essence in stroke. We do provide treatment, we offer treatment, we offer candidacy up to 24 hours after onset. However, in many patients, by the time they arrive, it's already too late. So we give the clot-busting medication, and if the patient has a clot, then we have an interventional team that can go in and pull the clot out. And obviously, there are many other things happening alongside, you know, acute emergent uh, things to provide stability to the blood pressure and, and other issues that are actively going on. So generally patients. speaking, the, the window is four and a half hours. I thought I read something saying that there, something had been discovered or there was a new treatment that, that made that window a little longer. Am, am I uh, correct? Yes. No, Libby, you're right. So, so TPA is one form of treatment that's been traditionally there since the late 90s. And then... In 2015, the thrombectomy or the endovascular approach kind of came in, where if a patient comes in and they have symptoms of stroke and it's a reasonable large size stroke, then it's a high likelihood that we're going to find a clot. And we do images for that. Now, when we do an imaging for that and we find which about 20 to 35% of the patients will have a clot, in those patients, this new treatment approach where we go in through the groin up to the brain and pull that clot out is offered. Now, initially when that treatment came out, it was only offered within the first six hours 
But now as we are evolving more and more, we are offering it up to 24 hours. Uh, the other thing is that we are also kind of modifying the clot busting medication called TPA, and there are some newer treatments that are coming in. And the studies that we're doing uh, that most of the major sites in Ontario are currently doing where we may be able to offer these clot busting medications for up to six hours if the patients are candidates. However, this is work in progress right now for the protocol, for the criteria. It's the first four and a half hours for the clot busting medication and 24 hours if their patient has a clot. Dr. Bailey, uh, are most patients aware of what's happening to them? So it varies from person to person, and as you may know, the stroke represents a blockage of an artery or a bleed in the brain, and in certain kinds of strokes, many individuals are not aware. It's really great that Evelyn quickly recognize this because many people aren't. Part of the brain, um, sometimes people can have uh, sensory changes on one side of their body and they're not even aware of the fact that they're having a stroke and other people have difficulty communicating because it affects their speech centers, as we've said on the FAST uh, acronym. So it's, it, it is a problem in that a lot of people may uh, pass off their symptoms initially as uh, something else. And so it's really important for people to be aware if they see that constellation of symptoms to be really calling 911 right away. Okay, I'm going to take a call from Julie in North York. Hi, Julie, how are you? Oh, I'm fine. Thank you, Libby. Go ahead, you're on the air. Okay, in April, uh, I had double vision in my eye. Uh, Three days later, four days later, I kind of collapsed. And uh, I had the symptoms of a stroke. My husband called 9-11, and um, my face was kind of drooping in my arm. And my husband called 9-11, and I went to the Humber Hospital. Uh, two days later, I got there, and I had all these MRIs and all these tests, and they can't figure out what happened. Does anybody want to take that? Uh uh, Dr. Savar, maybe, maybe, but it's, Mark, it's Dr. Bailey here. I guess the question is, is uh, sometimes um, people uh, do have what's called a transient ischemic attack or a, a small stroke. Yes. However, there are many, many different neurological conditions that can mimic that. And so when we do evaluations, we're looking for that clot to be done. And, uh, and certainly uh, sometimes when it's not clear, a follow-up uh, for... Uh, follow-up with a neurologist is necessary to figure out really what was going on at the time because sometimes we can't figure out right away what's going on. But I will but, pass yes. it on to Dr. Zafar because this is also his area of expertise. Okay. So so I agree with, uh, with Dr. Bailey that, you know, if the MRI was negative, then, you know, it either was a mini stroke or a TIA or uh, it was something else, and that's where uh, a lot of times, you know, a lot of these symptoms, when they present, uh, there's some teeny tiny details uh, that have to be uh, looked into and the imaging details that have to be looked into. But, you know, with time, as you follow up with your with your neurologist and stroke experts, I think uh, an assessment or, or, or decision would have to be made on what it is. Uh, we're glad you're doing great. This is, uh, this is good news. But at the same time, uh, it that does sound like a scary event and needs to be to be looked into. Yes, Libby, well, I could I to... ask a question oh. to the doctors? Uh, sure, go it's ahead. Evelyn uh, again. Yes, um, Julie, doctors. yes. I'm going to let you go and you can listen to the answer. Oh. Go ahead. No, not Evelyn, Julie. Go ahead, Evelyn. 
Thank you. Um, uh, I haven't seen my neurologist uh, in a year. I'm gradu- I'm a graduate. Good. But <clears throat> my question is, how close am I or likelihood of having a second stroke? I, di- I didn't have AFib when I had the stroke, but about six months later I did. And I've had oh, one or two episodes of that in the last year. <clears throat> excuse me, taking the blood thinner, apixaban, and, um, you know, taking care of myself. But I wonder, am I susceptible to uh, having a stroke more than someone who's never had one? Who's taking that? Sure. Uh, this is uh, Dr. Zafar. Uh, so Thank you. So there's a 20% chance uh, in patients, Evelyn, who have had a stroke, uh, and they can have another stroke uh, in the next two years. So 20%, one in five, that's way more uh, than what a general population risk is, which is close to 1%. Uh, however, when you're getting you know, optimal treatment and you're following up with a neurologist, uh, all the echoes and the ultrasounds and, and the imaging they're doing, they're trying to reduce that risk by figuring out why you had the stroke the first time. It sounds like from what you're saying that it was more likely a cardioembolic or a, a clot coming out from the heart type of a stroke. And in those cases, uh, blood thinners uh, are recommended. And, and if the patients are put on the right blood thinners, uh, medications ranging from warfarin, heparin, Eliquis, uh, rivaroxaban, and those type of medicines, uh, then the chances definitely go down. Uh, once a patient has a stroke, the risk of having future stroke is still slightly more than the general population. But if we do everything right and you're following up on the recs and taking your medicines and exercising, then that risk, which is typically 20% in untreated patients, comes down to about 3 to 4%, uh, which is as best as uh, human beings can do. And I, I believe that's where probably you are. Thank you. uh, you. It helps to play the piano for relaxation, I can tell you that, especially during COVID. I give thanks to my parents for giving me piano lessons. It's a great relaxation. Um, Let me ask a a question here. So both for patients who get to the hospital on time and those who don't, uh, what is the rehab from a stroke like, Dr. Bailey? Uh, thanks for that question, Libby. Yeah, the uh, rehabilitation really begins very shortly after the stroke. We believe that um, probably two to three days after the stroke, people can start to mobilize. Um, and, you know, it depends. On, every stroke is different, so it depends on the individual. We we focus on what are people's goals as well as what are their, their difficulties they having having. So we uh, at Toronto Rehab and all of the other rehab centers in in Canada, we'll focus on a comprehensive program, which includes ob- the obvious things that people think of, like the physical therapy, um, which will help people to, ex- you know, get moving again. But we also have a comprehensive team that includes occupational therapy. They will focus on daily activities, anything you can occupy yourself with. We have a number of people who have speech difficulties, whether their speech is slurred or they have trouble expressing themselves, and they will be begin the program. And typically in Canada, people will begin that process in a formal rehabilitation program about seven to ten days after their stroke. And they will stay usually with us for, you know, somewhere between a couple of weeks to uh, six to eight weeks, depending on the individual. And then their rehabilitation will continue as an outpatient. Um, sometimes we also have to bring in other specialists like neuropsychologists and social workers because stroke is a very um, significant disease that 
doesn't just affect the individual with the stroke, but also their families. And so we do have a team that tries to focus on all the elements of people's lives and help them to get back to their usual life. Uh, how's it been during COVID? Evelyn mentioned COVID, and we know that a lot of things have slipped by the wayside, uh, and people have been afraid to go to the hospital. Have have things been worse than normal? Doctors uh, offer. So uh, that's a great question, Libby. So so here's the thing. There's no doubt that the overall caseload in the hospitals, other than the respiratory illnesses, has gone down. And that includes stroke. So our total number of cases uh, that we treat and we offer have gone down considerably um, in all hospitals. We were having a regional uh, meeting and we all agreed that our cases have gone down to up to, you know, at, at one point up to 50, 60 percent. Uh, one of the reasons, and we're still trying to figure out what the reasons are, and it's possible that patients with small strokes are deciding to stay at home rather than coming in, or patients with TIA or mini strokes are, are not coming in. Uh, but we're also seeing our number of large strokes even going down, and, 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 and we are we're not 100% certain on why that is. Now, as the COVID thing is, is settling down, even though there's a resurgence, but uh, there is more planning in place now, and, and the systems and policies are there. So cases are coming up again, but there's no doubt the numbers have gone down. With that, I would certainly say that, you know, we've been able to do some studies in North America to look at this, and we've found that we're seeing more of the younger patients uh, uh, being affected because of COVID-19, where the body gets inflamed from the virus and then starts forming clots and having strokes. So that's been published all across the world in in the U.S., in Italy, in Germany, uh, uh, and, and we have seen that here as well. Uh, so, so a definite impact uh, in the stroke arena from COVID-19. Okay. And uh, we're basically out of time. So, Dr. Bailey, I will give you the last word. Okay. Yeah, thanks. Um, we, uh, we have actually been affected by the COVID pandemic in the rehabilitation field. And, uh, you know, it's been challenging to provide the rehabilitation that people need. Um, we were obviously concerned about people uh, spreading within the hospital or uh, also spreading as they go out to their homes and come back for therapy. So one of the things that we've been really rapidly trying to pivot towards is providing virtual rehab or tele-rehab using video conferencing and other things which I think will be the care of the future. I guess if there's one silver lining to the pandemic, we've really quickly been able to provide people with service, some service in their homes. And so I think that's an exciting development that will continue to develop how we can get the equipment into people's homes and use monitoring equipment such as Fitbits and other things like that that can really help us to do really evidence-based rehab in the community. So, um, you know, it has been extremely disruptive um, and we uh, are trying to meet the needs of people um, who can't travel as easily. So thanks for the opportunity to speak about that. Okay. Well, uh, thank you for bringing it to everyone's attention, uh, putting it on their radar so they're aware of the signs of a stroke. Thank you so much, Evelyn Greenberg, Dr. Atif Zafar, and Dr. Mark Bailey. Thank, thank you for welcome. doing this. You're welcome. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one.
You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.